we literally, the only paper we had was toilet paper, and we had a Sharpie marker, and we wrote the original projections for a climbing gym on toilet paper and shoved them in a plastic Ziploc bag, and he said, if you can get me out of here alive, I'll lend you the money. <laughs> to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners, welcome back. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Relish Studio. Check them out on the web at relishstudio.com. They are a digital marketing firm devoted to purpose-driven business leaders, and their goal is to guide and support their customers as they realize the full potential of marketing to fuel both business and personal growth. Speaking from personal experience, I have worked with Relish on websites, logo design, and in fact, the editing of this very podcast. I can't say enough about them, and my friend Stu is just a wonderful human. He is totally in alignment in terms of environment and sustainability, two things I'm very passionate about. And in fact, their entire business is a 1% for the planet partner, which means they're giving back a percentage of their revenue to environmental causes and organizations. I just love these guys. I can't say enough about them. If you decide to check them out and you want to hire them for a new job, make sure you mention the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast to them and they will offer you a 10% discount off of their normal rate on their first engagement with you. Check them out, relishstudio.com. Hey listeners, welcome back. Thanks again for your ongoing support of the show both by listening as well as posting up that review and hopefully giving us five stars on YouTube. I greatly appreciate it. I want to let you know that we have just posted our first order of swag for sale on the website. We've got some t-shirts with the hashtag Maximum Enthusiasm for sale. They are 20 bucks a piece and you can order it directly from the website, MaximumEnthusiasm.com. And if you feel so compelled and so called, there is also another button to donate or contribute to the show to help us keep this going. There are some expenses associated with the editing of the show each week, and it would be so great if we could offset some of those costs and keep this thing rolling. Just want to say again, huge thanks for your support of the show and a special thanks for those of you that have taken the time to leave us a review on iTunes by giving us hopefully five stars and also leaving us a review. That's what keeps these things going. And I also just want to give a huge shout out to all of our show sponsors for being early adopters of this concept of preaching the word of maximum enthusiasm and positivity. And the listeners across the board have given me the feedback that it's just so refreshing to tune into something that you know is going to be positive, inspiring, uplifting, encouraging, challenging, but not negative and not more of the same kind of uh, just, you know, negative banter and, and babble that we hear all over um, our social media feeds and our news stations right now. Anyway, with that, I just want to say it's been quite a ride. The last couple of months have just been insane since we launched this podcast. A couple other incredible things have been happening. I just want to bring your attention to a couple of them, one of which is that I launched a business called Trial Athlete back in March, and you can visit the website trialathlete.com, and the whole concept is bringing the athletic mindset and approach to the preparation and 
conduction of trial for trial attorneys, and specifically attorneys in the plaintiff's bar like myself, and really harnessing that physical presence to win. Last week, I had the opportunity to present my message on those very concepts to the Nevada Justice Association at their annual convention in San Diego. And my talk was very well received, and it's extremely exciting to see the momentum um, behind this, having already been booked for a couple other speaking gigs, and just really starting to pursue this dream and vision I've had for myself for a long, long time, and, and sort of manifesting it, seeing it come to reality, which is being up on stage talking to people about living their very best lives, full of maximum enthusiasm, taking care of themselves so that they can serve the people in their lives, uh, whether that be their family, friends, or clients in the case of uh, those of us practicing attorneys. And along those lines, a company that does a lot of legal publications has asked me to write a book on those very concepts. I'm excited to say that I submitted my proposal last week and they loved it. They want more. And so this is really exciting to be kind of on the, the doorstep of the second book that I'll be writing, the first of which was published back in 2016. And it's a book about accident crashes and reconstruction and legal aspects associated with cycling. So lots of exciting things going on. And in addition to all that, we also just launched a brand new co-working space here in Golden. It's called Activate Coworking. And I encourage you to check out the website if you are in the Front Range area and you're looking for a place to call home away from home, you want to get out of your home office, come check us out. We are located right on Highway 93, just north of Golden Gate Canyon, and we would love to have you be our neighbor. And that website is activatecoworking.com. All that to say, it's been quite a ride. And in the meantime, I just keep being blessed with these incredible interviews with guests. And today's is no exception. This is Chris Warner. For those of you in the climbing world, you know him, you know that name. He has summited every single mountain top and peak in the world, K2, you name it. And not only that, he's taken groups of people with him and he's done it numerous times. And I was reflecting before I got him on the phone, which uh, of all the people I know that have had you know, near-death experiences or been in very dire circumstances, he's probably had more of those types of occurrences than most people that we know. And that's incredible to think about. One of the things that I really took away from uh, Chris, and, and you'll hear that he was the founder of a gym called Earth Treks, a very large, well-known climbing gym, and in fact, we have one here in Golden. He recently sold the business. Um, he's newly retired, and I can already hear it in his voice that he's looking for the next adventure, which that's the quintessential entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but he built this really cool you know, empire uh, from his passion of climbing. And he talks about what has contributed to his success and the types of opportunities and people that have contributed to his success. But one of the biggest takeaways that really hit me in an unexpected way during our talk was the fact that um, he makes a comment about how he doesn't know how people survive when they don't extricate themselves from the day-to-day -day business, the day-to-day -day grind, and get completely free and clear of it for a meaningful period of time. And so in the context of what he's talking about, he's talking about these expeditions where he literally goes off grid for you know, a month, two months, three months. He says uh, it allows his company to really kind of thrive and people to step up and have this incredible sense of autonomy. But more importantly, it allows him to get a clean break from his day-to-day -day treadmill, hamster wheel, and go refresh and go check out. And then he comes back and he's so much better. And I was just thinking about that in the context of all these entrepreneurs I've been talking to lately. Specifically, a couple I have in mind who I asked because they were talking about burnout you know, when's the last time you took a vacation? And they said, oh, it's probably been since 2014. And I just think even ab about the people I know that do take vacations now and then, but they constantly stay plugged in. So they're never completely free of their work or their responsibilities. And 
when I heard Chris say what he said, it really struck me that we're doing ourselves an incredible disservice and how ironic it is that we think that we're actually being more productive by staying plugged in 365 days a year, but in fact, we're probably diminishing our creativity and our ability to produce and excel and exceed our expectations because we don't ever fully clock out. So personally, I will say that uh, talking to him about that concept, I have a personal mission now to make that uh, a thing, and I'm already starting to book some things on my calendar well in advance where I can allow myself that space to fully clock out and give my, my brain a rest and come back fresh and better for it. So uh, if you take nothing else away from today, let that be uh, a nudge to you that you look at your calendar for 2019 and you start to pencil in some weeks or maybe an extended sabbatical where you can fully step away and clock out and totally recharge and come back a new improved version of your crusher self. So with that, Enjoy Mr. Chris Warner, resident here of Golden, Colorado, founder of EarthTracks, climbing and leadership extraordinaire. Awesome. Welcome to, uh, welcome to the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast, Mr. Warner. Well, I'm super excited and I've really enjoyed your podcasts. I've been a faithful listener. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, well, happy Monday. It's cloudy and gloomy. Our listeners, uh, and nevertheless, we are bringing our full energy and selves to this show this morning. How how are you this morning? Well, I am great. It's funny how in Colorado you do get addicted to sunlight. <laughs> so, I tell you yeah, but, what, you know, these days are like good opportunities for personal growth for me because this is not a space that I excel in. <laughs> well, it's actually perfect conditions for an early ice climbing season, so I can take all the moisture in the mountains that we possibly can get right now. In fact, I drove by Copper Mountain yesterday and they had part of a run already had snow on it. All right. Well, at least one of us is happy about that. Yes. <laughs> well, um, for the listeners, Chris Warner is uh, one of my idols and I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk to you today. Um, not just from an athletic standpoint, but you are incredibly successful in business and you in fact have an amazing business called Earth Treks with a wonderful climbing gym just up the street here in Golden, Colorado. And as I was preparing for today, Chris, because I imagine you do mm -hmm. a million of these, the question that kept landing on my heart for you was um, not how did you get to where you are, but what is one of those pivotal decisions you made that as you look back shaped your trajectory? So I, I was teaching for Outward Bound, and I was in a management <clears throat> position with them, and I had just had come back from two really amazing trips in the Himalayas. Both of them were first ascents. So one was on a peak called Shivling, and we had uh, it was just three of us who went up what they call alpine style. We just put our backpacks on and went up and over the peak, and we everything possible that could go wrong went wrong. In fact, uh, you know, we got caught in a blizzard. We couldn't put up our tent, and so. We survived three nights in a blizzard. We dropped our cook pot so we couldn't melt uh, water. We couldn't cook food. Um, and then on the way down, the as we were rappelling down this giant face, the, the rappel anchor popped on me and I actually fell 450 feet through the air before I slammed into the side of the mountain and bounced back out again. Wow. And it was purely a miracle that I lived through this. So I had this, you know, complete, like, moving the sport forward we were on the cutting edge of what was happening in himalayan climbing and had this you know it, it just was so amazing how deep you had to dig into your soul to stay alive through this whole experience oh, 
And I come back to work and I had always wanted to start my own business. And a coworker said to me, you know, Chris, for somebody who takes so many personal risks, why don't you take a professional one? <laughs> and it was like a giant light bulb went off. I mean, there was some shaming involved in it, but it really was somebody, you know, calling me out to pursue these other dreams that I might have. And that's how uh, EarthChex was started. And just so you know, and our listeners know, I actually just sold that. So okay, I, well, about two weeks ago, I walked away from the company. Not, well, I'm not walk away. Didn't walk away. But, uh, it, you know, it was, t- it was time to, to move on. So I am a, uh, I'm a retiree. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. That's the, yeah. that's the it ultimate. It was a 30-year run. So from when I started to when I sold it. And we grew it from, I started with $592 and we grew it into, uh, you know, all the, the numbers are confidential, but you know, it was, it's a, it's a tens of millions of dollars a year company with a thousand employees serving over 2 million customers. So it's a tremendous success from, you know, a three, a $592 investment. <laughs> right. So. How much joy does that bring you knowing that you built this thing that's going to live on well past you? Well, I think one thing you realize when you do leave is that there is no such thing as legacy. So, ah. <laughs> which might sound sad, but no. I I feel I feel more like a father whose child goes and gets married. And so, when your child, I have a thirteen-year-old daughter, so we're years away from this. But when your child gets married, you hope that they um, they build a new life based partly upon the values that you taught them. But heaven help the marriage if you decide you're going to tell them when to take the garbage out. Sure. And, you know, basically be involved in any of their, you know, their stuff. They have to figure out how to rebuild. They have to build their own marriage. So, um, yes, yeah, so I feel like that. that it, was, it was time for the, the child to go off and get married. And was there something about this timing? It just felt right to you? Is there something else on your horizon? Or did you just feel like you had done what you came to do and it was time to move on? Well, I think it's a combination of those things. I'm really excited about what the future holds. Um, I, I'm just fascinated with uh, small brands in the outdoor and fitness space. And yeah. I, I was helped along the way by lots of people. And they helped me in from, you know, whether it was just giving advice, whether it was literally being in the trenches with me um, or, you know, supporting me even financially. So if I didn't have those people in my life, I, the earth checks would have never been a success. And so I... I'm honored by the opportunity to give back to people in a similar situation. And, you know, we live, especially in the front range of Colorado, we live in a place that's a hotbed of outdoor entrepreneurism. So there's lots of opportunities for me to, to serve in any way that's needed, whether it's just being a mentor to people or, you know, maybe helping out a little bit financially. I mean, I've, I've been through, you know, in 30 years, you'll learn a lot. And I'm a big believer in this old saying that bad experiences teach good judgment. Absolutely. So you might as well learn from my bad experiences. <laughs> and isn't that funny how many of us, especially in the entrepreneur space, feel we need to make our own mistakes on our own and reinvent the wheel rather than just listening to someone who's been in that exact spot before us? Yeah, I think there's a double-edged sword of entrepreneurism, right? The, the positive, of course, is that you're willing to take risks. And that you uh, don't beat yourself up too bad when you do fail. The problem with it is you are not so good at finding mentors, you right. know, creating these partnerships with people who can, uh, you know, be there for you. So you're more likely to, um, 
you know, go head first into a challenging situation yes. and just kind of brawn your way through it. Yes. As opposed to taking the time to just to talk to somebody and, you know, brain your way through it. Yes. It's funny, I just got back from a lawyer convention out in San Diego and I spoke about mm -hmm. these things and talked about how isolating our, our profession can be and, and even just entrepreneurialism can be isolating because for some reason we feel like we have to suffer alone. And oftentimes our friends and family just don't own businesses so they can't really relate to what it means to live, sleep, eat and breathe this, this baby, this business that you've created. Um, and to your point, I think sometimes we just need to open up to people and let them help us. And it sounds like you've really done a good job with that. It sounds like you helped yourself through that isolation by developing this amazing cabinet of advisors. Yeah, and we really have. And I think part of it was built into mountaineering guiding. So I, I started the business originally as an outdoor guide service. And um, even with before we even opened the first gym, I was had a, I was trapped at fourteen thousand feet on Denali with a client, and he was probably worth about a billion dollars at a, the time. So he was incredibly smart, you know, terrible mountaineer. <laughs> so we were stuck stuck in this tent, and for six days in a blizzard. And about the third day, we were bored out of our minds, and I'm like, you know, I always wanted to open a climbing gym, and this is the early days of climbing gyms, and, and he was ecstatic because now we had something to talk about. Sure. So we literally, the only paper we had was toilet paper, and we had a Sharpie marker, and we wrote the original projections for a climbing gym on toilet paper and shoved them in a plastic Ziploc bag, and he said, if you can get me out of here alive, I'll lend you the money. <laughs> so the snow eventually stopped falling, and uh, we were able to get back down to where the airplanes could fly in, and then you know, got them home, and I spent the summer translating toilet paper into Excel, and oh I, I faxed him the you know, the projections. Yeah. And he's like, okay, as long as you pay me back within five years, I'll lend you the money. And he lent us $400,000 oh for our God. first climbing gym. And if it wasn't for him and, and his, he, it was, it wasn't even just the money. Like that it was, was his belief in you. It was his belief in this concept because I respected him so much as a business person. And then secondly, his, his personal expertise is in real estate, commercial real estate. So, uh -huh. A climbing gym is a commercial real estate challenge, you yes. know, trying to find the location and work out a, you know, lease agreements, et cetera. So um, he was able to help me dramatically through that. And he would buy buildings and then redevelop them. So he also understood the construction side of it. So every time I called him up with a problem, you know, generally asking for more money, he'd be like, nope, I'm not going to give you more money. There's another way of doing this. And he forced <laughs> me to be such a better business person. Wow. So it was relationships with people like that you know, that saw inside of me something I didn't see inside myself, who, um, you know, had uh, expertise in an area and, and was so willing to share that. And, you know, it was so, I don't know, just he was the right mentor. You know, he was the guy who could put his arm around you and encourage you to be greater than you could ever imagine. And so that whole process was so rewarding for me that it made it super easy for me to continue to look towards people like that for expertise in whatever challenge I was having as a business owner. And you know, Chris, as you're talking, I, I just, the energy that comes off of you is palpable. And I just, the, the <laughs> words that come to mind are like self-realized, self-actualized, fully optimized. Um, definitely a man who's living his life on purpose. Nothing in your life is happening accidentally. Or, you know, you, you're not the kind of guy that's letting things just unfold. I feel like you're a doer and a maker. Um, a lot of people listening to this podcast and the feedback I've received is just that people want to take ownership over their life and their destiny, but they literally don't know how. And they've been kind of taught to just 
passively go through life and, and sometimes often just put your head down and kind of suffer, right? Which is the opposite yeah, well, of what I would say you've done. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because I would tell you uh, I've never engineered my life and I don't want to because I think I would make the wrong decision. Like I'm really happy. Well, for you um and in hand that is another point that you made though was about just you know enthusiasm or passion and one of the first jobs i had my boss you'd always say nothing as contagious as enthusiasm and that's so true in fact it's really there's nothing as contagious as emotions and so if you hang around with somebody who's negative that you know cynical then you you know what that does to your soul you know what that does to a team and it's really it's it you know it's incumbent on all of us really, to be right. passionate about the work that we do. And that passion is, is you know, contagious. And that's going to take teams to the next level. And Megan, I, I don't know uh, really what you know about my past, but one of the things I spent a lot of time doing is teaching leadership. And, you know, I taught at the Warden School of Business for 16 years. And I've worked with special ops teams and covert ops teams and uh you know, Google executives and NFL teams and all sorts of other stuff. And there's four ingredients that we've found that all great teams have in common. And one of them is passion. Uh, another one is vision. Like you really have to be able to tell people where you're going or they can't help you get there. And they've done lots of studies. They, in fact, you will not be viewed as a leader unless you are forward looking. It's the number one thing that people use to describe a leader. And so if you can't craft and communicate a vision as to where this team is headed, then people are, they just won't follow you. Wow. And, you know, it's the same in our personal life. I mean, think about you as an athlete. Like if you, when you tell people what your goals are, then they can help you reach your goals. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you kept that to yourself, then they're not going to help you get there. And so what I'll, I hear you I'll saying is the other two yeah, real do. quick, if you don't mind. Please. The, the third one is par partnership. And the two most important words in any partnership are trust and caring. And, it is so important. It's funny, I just had this conversation with the brilliant uh, CFO in the outdoor branding space, and we were talking about trust. And, you know, we have to give trust and we have to, and then we have to earn other people's trust. And so, you know, it's both, it's not one or the other. And yes, you will be burned by trusting other people. Yeah. And when I think about the four biggest failures I've had in my life, you know, interpersonal failures are all based upon. Um, I trusted people who I shouldn't have trusted, but the 99.99% of amazing experiences I've had with other people are because I trusted them. Right. So I will never, I don't want to change, but I, I do, you know, uh, yeah, it, the net positive of trusting is just, is, is certainly there. So, and, and teams that have high levels of trust, every, by every marker, they're more successful, they're more productive, they're, you know, people, they're better retention of staff. Uh, people get promoted more often, et cetera. So, um, so it's trust and caring. And caring is an interesting one because most people don't realize that caring is a million tiny acts of kindness. And if you just, you know, even if it's just a smile to somebody, you know, a pat on the back, you know, it's some compliment that you give them. I mean, all of those little tiny things add up. And the people who are most successful relationship-wise are people who are experts at these, you know, giving a thousand acts of, kind of kindness to other people. 
Mm. So partnership is trust and caring. And the last one is perseverance. And this is really funny because when you work with like special ops teams or NFL teams or something, and we certainly have this in mountaineering teams, that uh, it's one thing to use, you know, brawn again to, to succeed. But if you want to be successful time and time again, you really have to bring your brain to the task. And the good thing about like a, an NFL team, I mean, they play on Sunday, but then they spend Monday examining what they did on Sunday. So they learn from their past mistakes and successes to be able to move themselves forward. And teams that actually have, and we did this all the time at Ertrex, I mean, teams that have standardized uh, after action reviews or debriefs, whatever you call them, um, those teams do 20 to 25% better than their peers. Wow. So if you want to make money, you have to have conversations and the conversations might start being hard because you have some behaviors that are broken and need to be fixed. But over time, these conversations should become, you know, fun and easy and, and, and really deeply satisfying for people. Wow. So it's those, those four things, passion, vision, partnership, and perseverance. Those, those are the keys to success, Megan. You get those and okay. everything else is going to take care of itself. <laughs> I mean, okay. It just sounds, you know, Fairly straightforward. Yeah. Maybe and yet... you also roll a toilet paper, a Sharpie marker, and a billionaire. <laughs> and a billionaire. So that might come in handy, too. <laughs> that one other little thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, you know, and back to the point about passion, um, it sounds yep. like you've just led a passionate life. I mean, from your amazing climbing experiences to these amazing leadership development, um, things that you've done, this incredibly successful business that you've built, you sound like you've been passion-filled from day one. Oh, I totally think that about myself. Um, I think it's, I, you know, it's almost like I have a, there's a romanticism, you know, I, I grew up reading biographies of, his, of like historical figures, especially explorers. So from a really young age, I was caught up in this kind of romantic vision of how the world works. And uh, yeah, so I think to be able to, you know, to follow that dream takes a tremendous amount of passion. It does, but also like the the willingness and the acceptance of failure, however you define it, the not just the willingness to take risks, but you sound like from a young age you were okay trying things that didn't always pan out. And where does where did that come from? Well, I'd say there was you know that's a combination of stuff, right? So for one, I think I grew up in a pretty unique time. I was the last of the baby boomers, and so there was tremendous amount of competition for any spot. So if you wanted to be on a, like, say, a football team or a baseball team, there's so many kids. <laughs> you, ah. you had to work a little harder to get the opportunity. Um, and I, I tell you, I give a ton of credit to my mom. So yeah. she was, she really let me, we, I was the fourth of six kids. So uh, in general, nobody knew my name. So <laughs> my mom gave me so much autonomy. And, you know, she jokes about it all the time right now because I would just take off, you know, like in literally seventh and eighth grade, I would just go out to the Appalachian Trail and just go hiking for days by myself. Oh, funny. And my, you know, you, you would never let your kid do that today. No. But, but, you know, we were an Irish Catholic family. I was replaceable. Like there was just, there was always somebody else that needed a seat at the table. So, you know, it was, wow. there was, a, there was just this built in freedom that came from being, you know, that time and place in history. You know, we didn't have the fears that we have now about, you know, letting your kids go off and do their own thing. Right. But but also I feel like there's something else. I mean, yes, autonomy is great. And yes, this challenge because there's this fierce competition both in your family and just society in general at that time. But um, you're reading these autobiographies, you're reading about people who succeeded and and yet there's still something 
in you, there's this, I mean, you've probably had more near-death experiences than anyone I've ever met by virtue of the climbing experiences that you've done. Um, yeah. But, and yet just this constant fire in you. Um, and, and so is it fair to say that's what drives you on a daily basis? Well, I can't control it. So yes, it definitely drives me. <laughs> it's just always so, there. Yeah. I don't, I think, look, I truly believe in those four things I told you about. I think yeah. it's really all four of those agreements, th those, those ingredients that allowed me to be successful. And, you know, passion is like having gas in the car, but without a, a steering wheel, you're going to just drive off the edge of the cliff. And so, um, you know, I've really been dependent upon uh, having a, a vision of where to go. And I think it's an idealized vision. Like I definitely have an idealized vision as to what a company should be like. Okay. You know, it should be way more like a family, like a, like a successful family than, you know, uh, you know, just a dysfunctional organization or a transactional place. It should be more transformational for the people that are part of it. So um, I, I, and I think because of my passion, I have a tremendous amount of um, uh, self-confidence. So I'm willing to fight for that vision to be realized. And, mm. you know, when I look back at Earthtrex, I mean, I especially am extremely proud of the last couple of years I was there because we, we had, we, we were, we were tested. We had some really um, crazy health scares mm. and the whole company rallied. And, you know, like you, you, if, if one of like one of your employees, you know, we had, a, we had two big cancer issues, but um, in each case, it was the same thing. Like, I knew that I could serve a certain part of this person's needs, right? It was very easy for me to serve their financial needs, but I'm not the best person to go in and give you a big hug or gotcha. to cook your family dinners yep. or to make sure that somebody's cleaning your house, right? Yep. So it took a whole community, a whole tribe of us to be able to, to each find the place where we could serve that person best. And it was amazing to be part of this company where every, you know, everybody stood up and served in the way that they best could. You know, I love what you just said there, Chris, because I'm thinking about you and there's just like a million thoughts going through my mind about what your life must look like. On, and just, I mean, if I could just harness you and bottle you up and, and give you um, in pill form to people who are struggling to kind of swim in their channel or find their mm -hmm. calling. But something you just said is really important, which is um, knowing your strengths and being okay with certain aspects of like you said, I'm not the person to come in and give you a hug or cook you a meal. And I think so many of those things become shoulds that then dictate right. a person and, and convince us that I should be the person to give a hug or cook a meal, but it's just not my skill set. It's not my strength. And so how did you get so clear on that for yourself? Well, um, well, you haven't tasted my food. You're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think, you look, Megan, we want like, what is the big goal in life, right? Like, what's your mission? So my mission has always been to help people be better versions of themselves. And so if you take, uh, if I did all the things, let's say this person needed, had 10 needs and I met all 10 needs, uh -huh. then I was being completely selfish. Like I could have given, if I spread those needs out to a lot of other people, they all got the deep satisfaction that comes with serving other people. And so they were able to become a better version of themselves. And then once you taste that, you know, you have that dissatisfaction, then it's addictive. Right. And then, you know, hopefully that then you serve in a similar role in, you know, the next rippled out, you know, community that you're part of. So, yeah, you would hate to be the, 
the Messiah, you know, like uh-huh. you would, I mean, I, and maybe that's the, the too strong of a, a, you know, there's too much meaning behind the word Messiah, but you don't want to be the one who comes in and does it all. Like that doesn't work, especially if you're trying to help people grow. I mean, look, life is, life is a, is a movie, right? Or life is a book. And we have these main characters who are flawed, you know, but have potential and they are challenged by something. So, you know, like, uh, you know, like you didn't become who you were without, you know, like, like being challenged and, and, and probably having somebody step into your life and offer you some advice. Just like, yep. you know, the guy who challenged me to take professional risks, the guy who, you know, helped me fund the first climbing gym, you know, all these people came in and they were, they were the mentors for me through this whole thing. So I, I think we, you know, you and me and most of your listeners are, are looking for opportunities where we can come in and not be the hero of the story, but just be the mentor. You know, the, we're the guide by the side. And if we give, if we put people in a situation where, hey, you know what, look, I'll, I'll help out financially here, but can you, can you actually go give the hugs? Mm-hmm. Like, you just made, you just, you just provided them with an amazing learning opportunity. And the, the other side of what you're saying, which is also speaking to me so strongly, is that um, so often we say yes to too many things and we spread ourselves too thin. And maybe we are trying to be that messiah or that rescuer, or that all-doer, all-care, all-giver. And we absolutely put ourselves in a hole. And um, just this group of lawyers I just spoke with last week, people kept pulling me aside saying, you know, I'm trying to do everything and be everything to everyone in my life and I have nothing yeah. left. And so how have you protected yourself from that? Because I'm sure that the potential has been great for you to do that. You know, I, I got to tell you that there's so much benefit from being an expedition climber. <laughs> because, because you learn you, to delegate or what? Literally, you get, you get on a plane and you leave. <laughs> and, you know, when you're gone for two months, then it is uh, unbelievable. Like... <clears throat> It's so important for the people that are stay at home, right? Because then everybody, and look, I'm surrounded by amazing people. So, but everybody has to uh, step it up a little bit, right? So, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, no. I mean in a positive sense. Like they get to grow because of this, right? Because they're now they have to be handling these other tasks that you were handling. And then sure. when you're the person who goes away, like it's a, a monastic experience. You know, you, you, you literally can't do stuff you can't move the levers anymore of the world and so you um you know you it becomes i don't know it's like it's a deeply soul fulfilling experience i I don't know how people do it who don't step off the the the, the, uh the treadmill you know a couple times a year i think that they're they're fooling themselves to think that that they can sustain that pace Chris, if, if our listeners hear nothing else than what you've just said, I think you will have just changed lives. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I've just recently talked to where I've said, when's the last proper week-long vacation you took where you unplugged? Yeah. And uh, one guy recently told me 2013, and he can't figure out why he's so burned out uh, in his business right now. It's like, to your maybe, point... Think, think about just like the, whatever, the hour and a half that you're on your bicycle. Oh, it's, like, it's life-changing. This is actually, I love mountain biking because in mountain biking, you can't think. Nope. Right? Which is actually one of the problems I actually have with road riding. Because <laughs> so, you can. Because you can, yeah. I, I, you know, I am a 30 to 1 mountain biker over road rider because when I road ride, I think, like, oh, yeah. like, this is not good for my soul. So we have, have to have things in life where we, like you said, where we are disconnected. 
Like we're so consumed by it. You know, it goes back to two, you know, I'm sure you're uh, very familiar and I'm sure you even actually know how to spell this man's name, but Mahali Csikszentmihalyi, the man who wrote Flow. Okay, oh yes, yes. Yeah, and, and you do know how to spell his name, I'm sure. <laughs> not so. by heart, not by heart, no. <laughs> I'm teasing. Anyway, but you go, we have to have that flow state on a regular basis. Like, we have to just have, you know, transform thinking into just, you know, we're, we're completely present in the moment and we're, we're acting. And, you know, luckily, you can get in that flow state from lots of things. I mean, people, you know, they say that the, the number one way that people get in the flow state is through reading. So like go that. off and read, you know, a trashy novel or go gardening or go get on your bicycle and you go skiing. I mean, we have to have these things to re recharge our souls. If people hear nothing else than today, I hope it's that because um, because I selfishly do make time to ride my bike about 12 to 15 hours a week. And sometimes it's yep. it's the tuned out kind of riding and sometimes it's the tuned in kind of riding. But either way, I'm getting my, my soul fed. And then I take a lot of vacations a year and um, many of them I do completely unplug. And it's funny the way lawyers and entrepreneurs will look at me like I'm crazy, like you can't do that. <laughs> but then I'm going to yeah. hold you out yeah. as an exhibit A because it's like this incredibly successful man will literally go vanish off on the other side of the earth where he absolutely cannot be reached and his business thrives as a result because people have to step up and then he thrives as a result. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it was Drucker that had said that 80% of all problems are caused by management. So <laughs> look, if the, the greatest business thinker of the, the, the 20th century tells you to go leave your employees alone so they can get shit done, do it. you should probably listen to them. So. <laughs> do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. We literally had that situation. When I moved to Golden from uh, Maryland, where I was running the business, you know, the business is, uh, I don't know, it was, it was like 18 years old or something at that point. And uh, I, I was panicked about moving. And I knew it was the best thing for my family. I knew it was going to be the best thing for myself personally. But I was really worried about the business. And we moved, you know, 1,200 miles away from our employees. Or, and all of a sudden, the business did better. And I think it was people like, oh, my God, he trusts me. He, yeah. you know, like, we'll step up. And to tell you the truth, I'm sure there's lots of, there absolutely is 100% lots of ways that we hold people back yep. that we don't even realize. So giving them that autonomy, just like my mother gave me. Just like you know, your mom is, gave is you. It's critically important. In fact, Megan, if we could, one other crazy thing that I wish people had told me when I was yes, younger please. is that there's six psychological needs that everybody has as a member of a team. And if you don't meet these needs, that they are going to become dysfunctional, just like, you know, the crazy rats in the maze. So, and one of those needs is the autonomy. So we, if we micromanage people, we will make them dysfunctional. And I saw that on your rules for um, leadership online. And this is what you, um, you, you ate, slept, and, and breathed with your, with your corporation, with Earthtrex, right? Like this is a big, this is how you ran your company. Yeah, yeah. And it was obviously ridiculously successful. I mean, I... You know, I, I can't give you the numbers, but you could not have made a better investment than giving me, uh, you know, a dollar back in 1990. So, And you also talk about um, personal growth as one of those other six psychological needs. And so as someone running a yes. company, um, can you give me a couple examples of how you empower your employees and your team to pursue that personal growth? What does that look like? Yeah, so uh, real quick, just for the, the listeners, everyone could grab a pencil at some point or, you know, come back and, 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 and write these down. But it's respect, recognition, and personal growth. It's autonomy, meaning, and belonging. So those are the six psychological needs. 
Um, and I'll put those on so the website. With personal growth, I mean, it's so funny, Megan. We almost had the easiest possible group of people to for this to occur with, this kind of personal growth, because climbing itself is completely based upon the idea that you're going to go up and fall off and then get back on, right? <laughs> so, and it's, it's uh, you know, climbing is a gymnastic type sport. So you master, um, you know, 10 feet of the climb and then you have the next 10 feet. And then, so you're, you're, you push yourself forward by failure. So it just attracts people who love personal growth. I mean, they love sure. to go up and, and fail and come down. And, and so much of climbing is also partnership-based. So we're so used to turning to the person next to us and say, do you see what I'm doing wrong? Like, can you give me suggestions? Can you help me? And especially because there's a lot of fear involved in climbing, that, that person is not just there giving you, you know, technical advice, but they're also giving you emotional support. And it is amazing. There's no climber that can will, will dispute this. You can feel the love of your belayer transferred up the rope to you when you're out there on the wow. edge. And that is, so that, so the whole uh, ecosystem of climbing makes personal growth like dead easy. So, you know, your job as the leader was just to try to find situations where you put people in where, you know, they were, they, that there was a possibility of them having a, you know, them failing, but you were their belayer, you were their support system. So you were there to give them technical advice or to give them emotional support to get through it. Mm -hmm. And clearly as our business grew and became more complex, I mean, there was tons of areas that I had no personal experience in. So, you know, I came to climbing as a, as a guide, you know, I could teach you how to tie knots, but I couldn't teach you anything about finance. Yeah, sure. And when you're sure. running a business that does tens of millions of dollars of business every year, you know, you, you better know a lot about finance. So we <laughs> had to, you know, have people, you know, we had to look outside of ourselves to get a lot of the, the personal growth that we needed to move forward. Mm, so much good stuff here. That, you know, I've committed to our listeners to keep it to a, a, a short enough length to get to their commute. Um, but I definitely want to yep. run back with you on episode two soon in the future and kind of see what you've gotten yourself into now that you've quasi-retired, although I don't believe that for a second. But I want to close with this because it's a question I ask most of my listeners, but you said earlier yeah. there is no such thing as legacy. And normally what yeah. I ask people is, you know, what do you hope people say about you when you're gone or what's the legacy you hope to leave? So answer that question however you will. Well, I really, uh, I, I think I was, you know, put here to help people uh, see what their potential is and to push towards it. So whether it's you know, by example, or literally, you know, the people that I'm close to, you know, asking them a lot of, you know, you know, the hard questions or putting them in the challenging situations and then, you know, being there to, 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 to serve them while they're there, they're there. So yeah, if I could help people become a better version of themselves, man, that'd be a freaking amazing legacy. Well, I suspect you have done quite a bit of that already. And now we have the opportunity to share this with listeners um, and, and I want to ask you just one more question. Uh, mm -hmm. Normally we close with that, but this one's just on my heart for you, which is if a listener is sitting there saying, the life I'm living right now, I can tell it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I can, I can feel the tension. It's an okay life, but I know that there's something else that I'm being called to do, and it's scary, and it, there's risk, and maybe failure involved. You know, Chris, what advice would you give someone to pursue that? Well, I think I would give them the same advice that I was given in, back in 1990. For someone to take so much, you know, risk with your personal life, undertake them with your professional life. So, yeah, we have to take risks. Um, sorry, mom. <laughs> right? Your right, kids are right. about to go and do something silly. 
So luckily there's such amazing support systems, you know, today. I mean, entrepreneurism is, you know, like it's a, it's a, a coveted position in society now, yeah. which it used to not be. So we have all sorts of support systems for the entrepreneurs to help them be more successful more often. So the, the risk might be more <clears throat> really in your head than it is in reality. Totally. And and the words that came to mind as you were talking were that um, fulfillment, I think, trumps the potential failure, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I, look, we could go on for hours on these kinds of topics. I, I think... In the end, you are truly going to be judged by the partners that you have, not by the accomplishments that you have. So, like, you want to be surrounded by friends on your deathbed, not trophies. So, I I would say if you, you know, investing in your partners first is going to allow you to have all these other accomplishments later. And to live your truest, best life and and be your truest, best self, which then um, builds those up around you, which is what you've done with your life, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Man, it's, it's, it's not as cold and rainy as we thought it was, Megan. <laughs> it's feeling pretty warm right now, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. And I will refer uh, readers and listeners to your website. But it is um, Chris Warner. Is it ChrisWarner.com? Did you just change it? No, it's ChrisBWarner.com. Okay. ChrisBWarner.com. And I'll, I'll include some um, articles to some of the content that we've talked about as well today. But, um, Chris, I look forward to joining you uh, for a future show and catching up with you here in Golden sometime soon. Great. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.